Thank you for remaining standing. So turn with me as you're able to Psalm 90 and your copy of the Word. It's our text this morning. While we will be primarily focusing on verse 12, let us now hear and read the psalm in its entirety that we might observe the supplication in its proper context. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up, in the morning it flourisheth, and it groweth up, in the evening it is cut down, and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger. And by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Almighty, eternal Father in heaven, truly you alone are from everlasting to everlasting. As we turn now to your word, to this prayer of Moses, given and preserved by the Holy Spirit, we pray that your spirit would attend the preaching of your word and bring understanding, application, and conviction that we may learn, at least to some degree, how to number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What an encouragement to look out on such a large crowd, the house of the Lord being full on this last Lord's Day of 2018. And, and we are thankful, are we not? Um, as Marion mentioned earlier, we're on the brink of a new year. It's the end of 2018. The Lord has been at work in and among us, and we are glad. And yet, for many of us, this is a time of reflection and contemplation, perhaps in your role as a father, as a mother, or even as a child of God, you are 
looking, assessing your lives, thinking about what is it the Lord would have me to do in this role. Or perhaps you're like some, this is a time of planning, looking forward to what is ahead, what's visible on the horizon, what preparations need to be made for the projects that I have in mind. Or maybe this is a time for adjustments in your lives. You're taking a look at your schedules, your practices, and maybe even your character, as we were challenged last week in considering this new year. Well, as we take a look at Psalm 90, and in particular verse 12, let's ask ourselves, what in this day, in this point in history, with the resources we have, as earnest followers of Christ, what are we to do? Just how should we number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom? This is a prayer we should all make before the Lord, and not just as we look toward a new year, but regularly and repeatedly. There is not a one-size-fits-all answer to this petition as we go to God, asking Him to instruct us. And yet, there is an answer, and we should continually seek His face as we go as we pray this prayer before Him. And I would like to bring to bear at least one application of verse 12 about how to number our days, and perhaps two, depending on your perspective. But before we get there, however, let's consider three things about Psalm 90. Let's take a look at the context of this supplication in verse 12 by considering the structure and content of the psalm. Then let's look at particular in, at verse 12, at the supplication itself, and then we'll consider some of the applications. That application, I would like to tell you, is at least a partial response to the challenge we received last week from Pastor Lovett, and I think you'll see that when we get there. So the context, a brief overview of Psalm 90, if you will. As we noted by the title of Psalm 90, it is a prayer of Moses, the man of God, with Moses as the penman, this is, one of, this is the oldest psalm that we have. It is written under the Spirit. It is the Word of God. These words of Moses are serious and somber in their tone as he prays for the needs and hope and the hopes of God's people. It is full of faith and longing, humility and confidence. This psalm opens the fourth book of the Psalms. As you may know, the, the Psalms are organized into five books, and so this opens book four. Book one, which is Psalms 1 through 41, tend to be personal in nature. Now, this is a generalization. Don't apply this um, with any particular rigor. Books two and three have a general national tone, and books four and five tend to be more liturgical, concerned with the corporate worship and praise of God's people. As this psalm expresses with such beauty and clarity the eternal nature of God alongside with the brevity of this mortal life, it's often used in the course of a funeral service liturgy. Just consider the theme in the first 11 verses. Verses 1 through 6 show us God in relation to His creation, primarily His eternity and His sovereignty. Verses 7 through 11 then show us a man Show us man as his creature, under judgment of sin and bound by time, a time that is fleeting and soon cut off. At verse 12, 
Moses turns from words of preparatory meditation upon God and man's state. He's looking at the infinite creator and he then considers the finite man and turns to a series of supplications and petitions on behalf of man to his creator. Seven supplications. Teach us to number our days. Return and let it repent thee or have compassion. Satisfy us early with thy mercy. Make us glad. Let thy work and glory appear. Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Each of these petitions gets to the heart of our deepest longings as the children of God. Indeed, any one of these petitions is worthy of a full exposition and and sermon. But, we're not going to go there, don't worry. Um, Apart from the context of, of the that the psalmist gives us in verses 1 through 11, however, those petitions don't have quite the depth and meaning that he would have us to understand. So let us turn now back to verse 1 and look more carefully at what Moses, our psalmist, says this morning about God. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Here we join Moses in the praise of God for his particular care of his people through the ages. For the people of God, those who are called of Him, those who are redeemed by Christ, our true and only home can be found in God. It is in God that we find the comfort and strength that sustains us through the toils and snares of this life. He is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in time of trouble. He is our fortress and the rock of our habitation, our shield and the horn of our salvation. To the extent that we rightly fear the Lord, we have nothing, nothing to fear in this life. For in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and we find a place of refuge. In verse 2, we read, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God is due the glory of His eternity. And he will most certainly have it. Here the psalmist states that which is true about the Creator as touching his infinite and non-contingent self-existence. Moses draws the sharp line of the Creator-creature distinction. And our hearts should be drawn up into all filled praise of the one true God. Verse 3, Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. Here, we are forced to acknowledge God's absolute sovereign dominion over man and God's almighty power to dispose of man as He pleases. By our father Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death has passed upon all men for all have sinned. But for those who are perishing, God calls us to return to Him. He is good. And it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. When we were given over to destruction and without hope or strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Thanks be to God. Turning our attention to verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. O beloved, as we pray these words with Moses, do not forget this one thing 
that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The author of time is not in any way limited by or bound to time in the same way we know. A thousand years is no more impressive or wearying to God than the passing of three hours in the night. We continue in verses 5 and 6. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. Here our attention is turned to the frailty of man. Those who have lived in this area of Hickman County know a little bit about a flood, do we not? It is powerful. It changes the face of the earth, and it does much destruction. Our lives here are compared to being caught up and carried away in our flood. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking out into this flooded creek during the big flood five or so years ago, taking a stroll, turning around, and coming back to the bank? No. If you had walked out there, you would be carried away. There would be no control. No, we are helpless we are in danger, and we will be carried wherever the flood takes us. To further lay bare the truth, the psalmist says that we are as asleep. In our vanity, we imagine great things about our lives, our accomplishments, and our dreams, at least until death wakes us from that dream. In the prime of our strength and youth, the psalmist compares us to grass that flourishes by day, and is withered by evening, all the days of our life, but a, shut, a short span. And here, that span is compared to the course of a single day. Reading verses 7 to 11. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, fear so is thy wrath. Brothers and sisters, our sin is ugly. Our sin is costly, and our sin is under the wrath of God, who is justifiably angry with our sin. There are no secret sins before God. The wages of sin is death, and we pass these days in a very real sense under the wrath of God. We have been given but a few years in this life, 70 or maybe 80 years, and tragically, it would, as it would seem to so many of us, we have lost friends and family who have not yet even known 70 years. Some of these years are more pleasant than others, some more filled with grief and pain, but none of those years can be relived. There is no redo. There are no mulligans in this life. These years that have passed are written down as a tale 
that has been told. The question then before us is, how then shall we live given the brevity of this life under the sun? And this brings us to verse 12 as the psalmist's first supplication, and this is where we will focus our attention for the remainder of the message. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom or gain a heart of wisdom. Robert Godfrey observes that this verse is often treated as if it were a proverb that means life is short, so live wisely. But in the context of this whole psalm, it means much more than that. It is a key part of the meditation of our meditation on God and on living as the people of God. The first supplication, teach us to number our days, picks up on the general theme of time in how short our lives are in light of eternity. In Psalm 39 we read, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor, a vapor. We are frail. Our days are few, and we are ignorant. Left to our own wisdom, we are prone to convince ourselves that we have a long time to live. But we are more than simply ignorant, are we not? We actually suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We need to be taught to number our days. And the only teacher who can rescue ourselves, rescue us from ourselves, is our God. The Word tells us over and over again that God teaches His children. The Lord has made known His salvation, His righteousness He has revealed in the sight of nations. He has made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of God. Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. And we can pray, we can go before the face of the Lord, and we can pray this petition with confidence, for God instructs us to do this very thing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. James writes. Spurgeon observes, considering this verse, that numeration is a child's exercise in arithmetic. But in order to number their days aright, the best of men need the Lord's teaching. We are more anxious to count the stars than our days, and the latter is by far more practical. But why, why do we need to number our days? And the answer is in the text, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Turning to the Proverbs to see how Scripture uses the term wisdom, we see Proverb, in Proverbs 8, wisdom being characterized as a lady who lifts up her voice and speaks. Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life, 
and obtains favor from the Lord. And in Proverbs 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wisdom is attended by blessing and it is a matter of great value, even a matter of life and death. In Proverbs 9 we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Wisdom requires the fear of the Lord, knowledge of Him, hearing and applying His word. But wisdom goes far deeper than mere head knowledge. It must be known and applied at the heart level. In Proverbs 2, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, then will you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Wisdom must be sought out, treasured. Begin with the fear of the Lord and applied to the heart. This wisdom must come from God and can be only found in His Word. And we turn now to the applications. The application that I would like for us to consider is given in light of the story of the growing persecution of the church in China. It is a story that we have been tracking and bringing to bear in our prayers, thanks in part to the faithful email updates from Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. In one of those early transcripts from the pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church, he wrote a church to the letter entitled, How the Church Should Face Persecution. In that letter, Pastor Lee wrote, I know many of you have read this, but bear with me, it bears repeating. The Apostle Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and God rests upon you. And he writes, Beloved brothers and sisters, do you have joy? Are you rejoicing in the fact that you are suffering with Christ because of His church? Do you know that we are blessed? The Lord is bestowing on us poor people today treasures of glory from heaven. The Lord Himself is bestowing on us weak people comfort from heaven. The Lord Jesus is shining on us blind people His great light. Those of us brothers and sisters standing on the front lines of the gospel war will earn great spiritual riches. Thank the Lord for being with us in this trial. Thank the Lord for cultivating us according to His true word. Thank the Lord for training us through these days of hardship. Thank the Lord for sculpting us through today's persecution. May the Lord give us great joy and true hope and make us strong through reliance on Him. What a testimony. What a testimony. I referenced earlier a question that was posed by Pastor Love at this last Lord's Day. I hope, I hope many of you reminded. It has been on my mind much this week. And if I recall correctly the question, it was one that he asked of his daughter and son-in-law. 
and it was something like this, and it has to do with the glorious privilege and duty in, ra in raising their, their daughter. He said something like, asked something like, what, as a parent, would you do different if you knew your daughter would face persecution 15 or 20 years from now? The question has been rolling around in my head. It's a good question. It's one that's most appropriate as we seek this face of God, asking Him to teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart unto wisdom. And so the application. First, and most urgently, knowing our days are so few and that our lives are but a vapor, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, if you have not felt the warm comfort of His grace and mercy and forgiveness, if you are weighed down by the burdens of sin and the trials of this life, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Come to Jesus, for in Him are hid all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Apart from this relationship with Christ, this supplication is meaningless. Secondly, if we were able to ask the martyrs through the centuries and those who are presently facing persecution or who have been persecuted for the faith, I believe their counsel, their answer to this question would be fairly unanimous. As we read the testimonies of those who have been imprisoned or deprived of the ordinary means of grace, the repeated theme emerges of the power and the comfort found in those parts of God's Word that they had hid and treasured in their hearts. And let me offer just one illustration to help make this point. On November 28, 1965, Commander Howard Rutledge was on his 75th combat mission in Vietnam when he was shot down and captured. For the next seven and a half years, he was held as a prisoner of war in various camps, including the infamous Hanoi Hilton. His brutal treatment included isolation, exposure, and torture. Most of the time he spent there, his only food was pig fat. In his book, In the Presence of Mine Enemies, Rutledge wrote, I wanted to talk about God and Christ and the church, but there was no pastor, no Sunday school teacher, no Bible, no hymn book. I had completely neglected the spiritual dimension of my life. It took prison, prison to show me how empty life is without God. And so I had to go back in my memory to those Sunday school days in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If I couldn't have a Bible or a hymn book, I would try to rebuild them in my mind. At a time when he wasn't in solitary confinement, he and a fellow POW would often use those priceless seconds to, of confinement. They would use these seconds of communication to help each other recall scripture verses and Bible stories and hymns that they had sung. He goes on to write, Everyone knew the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm, but the camp's favorite verse, the one that prisoners recalled first and quoted most often was, 
John 3.16. Later he relates, I never dreamed that I would spend almost seven years, five of those in solitary confinement, in a prison in North Vietnam, or thinking about how one memorized verse can make the whole day bearable. He regretted not hiding more of God's Word in his heart. And he continued, Scripture and hymns might be boring to some, but it was the way we conquered our enemy and overcame the power of death around us. And so the application I would like to suggest, therefore, is straightforward. Memorize and meditate upon God's Word in a more aggressive and deliberate manner than we have done so heretofore. Easy to say, but it is a lifelong labor. That doesn't mean change what you are presently committed to. If you're catechizing your children, stay the course and press on through the Scripture proofs. This is a great tool of the church and a perfect way to memorize more of God's Word. If you're using a reading plan to read through the Word deliberately, keep it up. If you find that you are rushing, however, through the plan just to check it off your list, then perhaps you should consider slowing down, allow more time to enter into and meditate upon and delight in God's Word. As an example of this, I know some of you read from Proverbs. You read the proverb that corresponds to the day of the month. Uh, When we were at our uh, consistory retreat, Pastor Lovett uh, challenged us not just to read the entire set of Proverbs on a particular day, but to pick one proverb and meditate deeply upon that. And I think there is great profit in that approach. And finally, let us commit as a congregation to begin deliberately memorizing Scripture. I know some are already doing this. We have corporately memorized Romans 12 and part of Psalm 103. Some have memorized together Philippians and Galatians. There are those participating in co-op classes that may be memorizing core doctrinal verses. If you don't know where to start, but you are interested and you know the conviction of this challenge, I have assembled some verses that those who have suffered persecution, those who have gone through the trials of this life, have relied upon, who have leaned on and found great comfort and strength. There's a pile of those at the back of the room where we normally keep our liturgies, and you're welcome to take those. God's Word endures and lives forever. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is that which we do well to hide in our hearts in the only place that true wisdom is to be found. As we hide the Word of God in our hearts, may the Lord be pleased to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray. Our glorious Father in heaven, you are eternal and unchanging. You are all-powerful, and you alone know the end from the beginning. As we look to your perfect word and see that our lives are like a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes, 
we do earnestly pray that you would teach us to number our days. Make us to know how you would have us spend ourselves for the sake of your kingdom. Keep us from our tendencies to morbid introspection and despair, fearing the brevity of this life. And save us also from wasting our days in meaningless vanity and presuming upon tomorrow. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Make us glad for each day that you give us. Show us and our children your glorious power. Let your favor be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, Lord, establish the work of our hands. If it be your pleasure to do so, we ask that you would grow us spiritually as we memorize and meditate upon your word and that you would equip us whatever tomorrow may bring. In this we pray, in the mighty and victorious name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.